You are listening to a Yodakin podcast. Hi everyone, it's really wonderful to welcome you all again to the Yodakin podcast. This particular episode of the Yodakin podcast is really close to my heart because it's about a new book on our joint imprint with Sage India, the Sage Yoda joint imprint which looks at the history of the Delhi Ridge particularly close to my heart because as a university student i spent a lot of time when i should have been attending classes i spent a lot of time instead in the delhi ridge wandering about and trying to unearth some of its secrets but uh, the person who's unearthed all its secrets for you is our author thomas crowley hi thomas it's really good to have you here hi arpita yeah it's it's great to be here and be in conversation with you and i'm very excited that the book yeah, is about out this with... really exciting book for people of Delhi, of course, and anybody who's interested in urban studies in South Asia uh, would be really interested in this book, I think. Um, Thomas is uh, a bit of a veteran when it comes to the history, politics, and the present status of the Delhi Ridge. He has focused on this and studied this for some time as a researcher at the NGO Intercultural Resources and at the Center for the Study of Developing Societies in New Delhi. The book is called Fractured Forest, Quartzite City, A History of Delhi and Its Ridge. And it's available now on the Sage India platform and Sage UK as well, Sage USA as well, all Sage platforms, I think, and on Amazon as well. And as I said, particularly close to my heart as a person who worked on the book, who edited the book, because it took me back to another time as a student in Delhi. But Thomas, there might be a lot of people who want to know why yet another book on the history of Delhi. How would you answer that? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And I mean, I've read many books on Delhi. I mean, I lived in Delhi from 2010 to 2017. And I mean, during that time and before that and after that, I've, I've read these books, both academic histories and, and narrative nonfiction. And I would say that originally my intent was not to write a history, uh, another, another history of, of Delhi. And I was very interested in the Ridge in terms of its contemporary politics. Um, kind of from the 80s to the 90s where, when there was this movement to save the ridge, seeing it as, as the sort of green lung of Delhi and this, this sort of ecological treasure that needed to be saved. And I came, when I moved to Delhi, I had an interest in environmental politics and the sort of contestations over, you know, um, should this be used, should this land be used for a park or as a forest or as a mall or for a university and all of those sort of contestations over land, I found very fascinating especially since there had been such a strong movement in Delhi, which was strongest in the 90s, I think, just under the banner of Save the Ridge. And as you yeah. mentioned, I, I worked for um, an, an NGO and I came out with a, a report for them basically about that. It was like a 70-page report, so it, you know, it went in pretty um, into a lot of detail about the, the politics of the Ridge, contemporary politics. But doing that research, I realized there's so much history and I think that's why so many people are, are drawn to Delhi, including me, is the like layer upon layer upon layer of history. And what I started to realize is that sort of, you know, reading more historical accounts of 
Delhi, you know, the ridge would be mentioned here or there, or it wouldn't be mentioned at all, but you know, it'd be said that oh, this thing happened on a hill somewhere, or you know, it happened in this hilly area. So either naming or not naming the ridge, I kind of got this impression that actually many both known and unknown parts of Delhi history had happened there, but the ecological or geological sort of reasons why that was the case. I mean, why was, you know, everything from, you know, the 1857 uprising to, you know, the Vasant Kunj malls in the present day, why were those all cited on the ridge, all the farmhouses um, and the conspicuous consumption there. So I thought there was, there was a story there. And I think to tell the story of Delhi from the perspective of the ridge gives a different flavor, gives a different lens, gives a different picture than other histories that have been told. Right. Um, of course, that makes perfect sense for those of us who sort of who know the city intimately or have even visited the city. But I, I wanted you to also talk a little bit about what exactly is the ridge for those who haven't been to Delhi and are listening in, or those who have visited Delhi and I've heard this word ridge, but I've never quite figured it out. Tell us a little bit about what is the ridge? I mean, in some ways, this, this book, you know, hundreds of pages is, is all trying to figure that out. And I think um, that was also part of my journey of re researching this book, writing this book. Um, I think when I first moved to Delhi and started reading the newspaper and following politics a bit more, it seemed clear that, okay, the, the ridge is this sort of green lung. It's this protected forest area. Um, it's divided into different pockets in Delhi, um, but it's this very important, you know, source of, of trees. It's, it's where, you know, animals are. It's, it's important ecologically um, in, in, those, in those ways, especially given Delhi's air pollution to have this green space. And that, that I think is, at least for people who, who live in Delhi and, and sort of have some knowledge of it from newspapers, it would be that. But then, you know, just the very name of it, the ridge, suggests that it has some sort of um, geologic kind of foundation. And that's, that's really where the name comes from, is that it's, so the Aravali mountain range, which, I mean, starts in Gujarat, goes through Rajasthan, and Mount Abu is its highest point in Rajasthan, and then um, goes through Haryana into Delhi. Um, so that mountain range, extremely ancient, you know, 1.5 billion years old, it ends in Delhi. Um, and it's that, those sort of hilly spurs of the, of the ridge that, that give the name the ridge. But sort of looking at this and sort of trying to think, okay, why, how do these two go together? So you have this geological definition, you have this ecological definition. But in some ways, it's a little counterintuitive because this is a rocky area. The soil, the soil is stony, if there's soil at all. It's not actually a great place for um, sort of lush, dense forests to grow. Um, so then the question became, how did these green areas of Delhi, how did these protected forests end up in this hilly zone? And I think that's the question that then got me into the history not only of the ridge, but of, of the you know, surrounding of the city of Delhi as a whole, and the sort of longer history, kind of in a nutshell, uh, which I you know, go into in much more depth in the book, is that because of the, the rocky soil, this was never a zone for agriculture. So this wasn't a sort of densely populated area. Both agriculture was difficult, but even to you know, build a, a neighborhood or to, you know, to build a house on this very rocky, uneven soil was difficult. So it was sparsely populated, 
even when when Delhi was growing as a city, like under the Mughals and even under the British. And it's the British who, who I mean, the ridge is a, an English word, so it was brought yeah. by, by the British. Um, and it was they who sort of set up this sort of scheme of, of protecting it um, as a protected forest. And, and we're kind of still living with the legacy of that. Right. Um, tell us a little more about how, I mean, flesh it out a little more. I know that's the really the, the what the book is all about, but give your readers a taste of um, what, how is the ridge really important? Why is the ridge important when we think in terms of the history of the city? Yeah, I mean, one is just to go back to the kind of um, the British use of it. And obviously it's, it, the importance goes back even further. But I mean, for the British, the ridge got its importance um, in the fighting of 1857, because that's where a huge standoff was between British troops and, you know, the rebelling soldiers who had basically taken over Shah Jahanabad. Um, so this was a specific part of the, you know, the Aravalis in Delhi, just north of Shah Jahanabad, what we now call the Northern Ridge. And, you know, the uprising of 1857 was a huge world historical event that, you know, shook the biggest empire of the world at that time. And so for, you know, British patriots, the ridge was this site of, of heroism and struggle, whereas, you know, for the Indians who were rebelling, it was the site of ultimately the defeat um, yeah. and the subsequent kind of routing of that. But, it, but then after that, so that was an extremely important moment. But then when the British established New Delhi in 1911, that's again against the backdrop of the ridge and they choose that for very aesthetic reasons. Um, and the British are very aware of, of the sort of history um, of, of this Delhi as an imperial capital. So they're you know, looking forward to, to their sort of rule, but they're also looking back and seeing not only 1857, but for instance, you know, Qutub Minar is on the hills of the ridge. And even before that, Lalkot, like the first fortress, you know, um, probably 11th century. So you have all these very important sites. So what the book tries to do is show that, yeah, I mean, the ecology is important. The geology is also important, but also for Delhi's politics. I mean, Delhi has historically for hundreds of years been a, a capital you know, a, a concentrated node of political power. And that's often been on the ridge, you know, from Qutub Minar to uh, Raisana Hill. So it has that political importance. It also has economic importance. One is just the stones of the ridge have built Delhi. They've built, you know, Lalkot, Kila Raipatora, Tuklukubad, these, you know, ancient cities of Delhi that we read about in history books or visit if we, if we live in Delhi. You know, they're all built from the ridge, from the stones of the ridge. And more and recently... these are all part of the southern ridge, of course. Exactly, exactly, right. exactly. Right, yeah. yeah. And then also the um, Badarpur sand. So Badarpur is a neighborhood that's actually, you know, on the ridge. And this, this sand is basically just disintegrated quartzite. It's quartzite that's been eroded over time. And that's fed the, con the construction industry in Delhi. Um, and, you know, so concrete, road foundations, this sort of manic growth of Delhi that everyone talks about, um, you know, is fed in part by this geology, by the stones and the sand of the ridge. And, and not only that, um, but the sort of importance of the ridge now, as especially the southern ridge bordering Gurgaon, as this area of sort of elite consumption of farmhouses, 
of this sort of uh, you know scramble over over land, that sort of economic importance. And then the last, which is also the last chapter of the book, is it's I mean you could say it's spiritual importance, but not just in a strictly religious sense, but this kind of feeling of of transcendence of being in something that's bigger than yourself. That I think even when you were talking about your college days, or even when I moved to Delhi, just going being surrounded, you know by the forest, by these ruins, feeling yeah. like you're in a totally different place. And so that happens for college students, you know, it happens for, you know, working professionals like me when I was there, but also th this whole history of, of Sufis and Sadhus from different sects. So both sort of religious in the strict sense, but also more broadly trying to seek new experiences, transcendent experiences, uh, like all of those overlap and all of those come together in the space of the ridge. Right, uh, but at the same time, uh, the ridge is also really very vitally important and not just because it's called a green lung, but for many other reasons, which you also talk about in the book, vitally important for you know what's happening to Delhi right now, the ecological concerns around Delhi and its air and pollution conundrum around the city. Do you want to talk a little bit about this. Sure, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, we all, all of us who have lived in Delhi and even not, I mean, we know the problems of, of air pollution, especially um, water pollution, water shortages, you know, and the ridge is, is part of the solution. I mean, it is only part, I mean, it makes up the geological ridge, at least makes up roughly 15% of Delhi right. area wise, but it does have this outsized importance. One, because of, of the, the, you know, the trees and, you know, the oxygen they provide. Um, but also uh, in terms of water, well, actually a physicist by training, Vikram Soni, who fought a lot against malls being built on the ridge. He's also done a lot of research about um, water and how water seeps through the stones of the ridge, the quartzite of the ridge. So you actually have extremely clean water that gets filtered. I mean, it, it, the, the stones act as a natural filter. And that really hasn't been sort of explored as actually a, a potential way, partially of, of addressing Delhi's water crisis. And I would say too, I mean, maybe not strictly ecological, but just the need for, for green space, for parks. I mean, to have 80 square kilometers set aside as reserved forest is, is somewhat miraculous in a city like Delhi. But to make sure that's actually open to all people from all walks of life as a you know freely available place for socializing, for playing games, for just you know relaxing for whatever it is, is, is extremely crucial. A large parts of the ridge now closed off from the general public. I realize that some of it might be reserved parks, etc. But otherwise as well, is there uh, some amount of surveillance and monitoring about uh, concern with who can go in and who can't go into different parts of the ridge? So I think that's most, you see that most in the Asola Bhatti um, Wildlife Sanctuary, which is part of yeah. the Southern Ridge. And because it has that designation as Wildlife Sanctuary, in part because of that, it is very strict. It's very difficult to, to access. And I understand that, I mean, for the people running the, the wildlife sanctuary, they don't want sort of a parade of people coming through every day. 
but at the same time, just for sort of the, the common person who wants to go explore there, and even for me who is researching this and, and sort of had time to go to these, it is, you know, it's a process. You have to go, you have to register. They do have some programs there, like for kids, but some of those are, are very expensive. Um, so like they used to organize some kind of, you know, camps there for kids, um, but they were, they would be out of the range, price range of, of many people. So I think it is this balance between accessibility and obviously wanting it not to be overrun or not for the ecological facets of it to be threatened. But I do think in the long run, I mean, if this is to be preserved, it has to be preserved with popular support. Um, there needs to be sort of a groundswell of, of people saying this is important for the city. Um, and it's important enough that we'd fight to protect it against, you know, rising land values or all these other uses and, and very sort of powerful real estate interests. And just sort of by closing that off, I don't think you'll you'll get. Yeah, sort of thinking of it more as commons for everybody in the city, right? Essentially, what you're suggesting is that the city has to consider uh, the ridge as its commons, right? Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. I was also I was just remembering this really lovely, funny bit in the book about the monkeys. Is the are they in the Asola Bhatti Wildlife Sanctuary? The monkeys that you talk about? Yeah, they're basically so. There's there's still there's a neighborhood there, just next to Bhatti Mines, which is was basically the the neighborhood was started by people who worked in the mines, and now has been declared illegal and there's been a whole sort of controversy around that. The government wanted to demolish that. But basically that neighborhood, it just, they've drawn the line of the wildlife sanctuary just abutting that neighborhood. So that neighborhood ends in this, this sort of enormous wall that's walling them off from the sanctuary. And just on the other side of that wall um, is where the monkey, also the monkey sanctuary is. That's really more like sort of a jail for monkeys, monkeys that they're catching in other parts of the city and, 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 and sort of dumping there, which is why a lot of people who live in that neighborhood um, have all these stories um, of you know, monkeys attacking. I mean, some of them more lighthearted of sort of monkeys coming and stealing their laundry, but then also stealing food or biting people and then having to you know, go to the hospital. So it has become this huge you know, animal a human conflict that was you know, very much caused by the actions of the government. I mean, trying to deal with a very real problem, but dealing with it with this kind of way of like, okay, out of sight, out of mind. This is the sort of farthest right. corner of Delhi. It's not in our, you know, not in our hair anymore. So it's good enough. Right. Yeah. I was wondering uh, if you wanted to pick another bit and read it uh, to our listeners to give them a taste of what the book sounds like? Sure, yeah, I would be happy to. And just sort of as an introduction to that, I so the, the book is in five chapters and each kind of looks at one of these layers of the ridge. So the ecological, um, the geological, the political, the economic, the spiritual. Um, so I'll read a little bit from the beginning of the second chapter, which is called Soil, um, Mobile Ecologies, Hybrid Histories. And it's the one that looks most directly um, at the ecology of the ridge. Stony soil, thorny trees, the ridge's unforgiving ecology. On a bleak mid-January afternoon, the trees of the ridge are draped in a thick polluted haze. 
The sun shines weakly through the smog, but I still work up a sweat as I climb up a steep quartzite slope. A friend and I are in a park called Sanjevan, just north of Meheroli, Delhi's historic first city. The dirt trail we're following is more stone than soil. Bits of rock and coarse red sand crunch underneath our feet as we make our way uphill. We reach the top of the hill and take in the view. To the right looms the graceful tower of Qutub Minar. To the left are the ruins of Delhi's first walled fortress. In front of us is a sea of green. Behind us, the slope gently descends into a wide basin, remarkably flat in this hilly terrain. Years ago, some enterprising young men cleared all the trees and shrubs to create a grassy cricket ground. At the moment, two cricket games are taking place side by side. As the cricketers laugh, lounge, and play, a thin woman in a simple sari emerges from the forest and stands at the edge of the clearing, a huge pile of firewood balanced on her head. She is soon joined by a young boy and girl, each carrying smaller bundles of wood. They throw down their loads and sit for a few minutes, watching the revelry around them. Then they get up, and the two kids help the woman heave the firewood back onto her head. They skirt the edge of the cricket games and disappear into the forest on the other side. Meanwhile, on the other side of the slope, we see a grizzled old man wrapped in a shawl, leading several goats through the underbrush. My friend calls out to him, and he replies gruffly. He is busy finding suitable grazing ground for his flock, and he has little interest in the two odd figures yelling at him from the hilltop. As we descend from our perch and head towards the park exit, we see more women collecting firewood, handling the branches carefully to avoid their prickly thorns. Throughout the year, firewood is a valuable fuel source for those who can't afford gas connections. But firewood is even an even more precious commodity in midwinter, when families make small fires outside their homes to beat back the damp chill of the season. Near the exit of the park, we spot an official from the Delhi Forest Department, giving instructions to a group of contract workers about pending maintenance tasks. We chat briefly with the official, and as we exchange pleasantries, the group of women with their firewood crosses our paths, heading home with their spoils. The officials look at them, look at us, and lightly chides the women. They continue walking, unconcerned. Technically, the women are breaking the law. So too is the old man grazing his goats. Sanjayvan is part of the ridge's reserved forest zone, and as such, is entitled to the state's most stringent protections. Firewood collecting and grazing are strictly prohibited, as an imposing sign at the park entrance makes clear. And yet, in reality, the prohibition is not so strict. The wood collectors and shepherds have clearly come to an understanding with the forest department officials. Some might dismiss this as a simple case of government corruption, but the truth is much more complicated, especially when one delves into the history of the area. Sanjevan was named a reserve forest in the 1990s. For many years before that, it served as a commons for the surrounding villages, and it was used extensively for grazing and wood collection. These erstwhile rural areas have now been swallowed up by the expanding city. They bear the strange administrative designation, urban villages. But vestiges of an earlier life remain, especially for the area's poorer residents who depend on the natural resources of the park. Elders in the area, who remember when their village was truly a village, resent the intrusion of the state 
and the restrictions on what was once their common property. This dynamic is not just confined to Sanjivan. Before the official label of reserved forest was imposed, the ridge's primarily ecological role, at least as far as humans concerned, was to serve as a grazing ground and woodlot. This role was largely determined by the ridge's geology, albeit in a paradoxical way. Although the ridge's rocky soil is a harsh habitat for trees and shrubs, it was nonetheless the preferred location for gathering fuel and fodder. Right, lovely. Thank you. That gives them a real taste of what's to come. I'm really glad you picked that bit. I was actually reading it as you were reading it out, and it was really lovely. Thank you for that. And that makes me wonder about, I mean, of course, I worked on the manuscript after we got it from you and I edited it and we were in correspondence then, but what was the process like of writing the book? How long were you actually writing the book? And of um, trying to talk to all of these people, uh, getting all these permissions, accessing these spaces which would be um, if not entirely difficult but certainly annoying to gain access to yeah so i moved to delhi in 2010 and i started working on the project let's say in earnest in in january of 2011. i first lived near delhi university and that's, uh, I mean, I kind of stumbled upon the ridge. One of my friends said, oh, there's a nice park. You should, you should check it out. My first encounter with the ridge was very sort of casual and, and for leisure and, and just fun and exploration. And the, the research started in earnest in early 2011. And initially I was, I was just trying to interview the sort of experts on the ridge. So people like Pradeep Krishan, who wrote the book Trees of Delhi or people like Ravi Agarwal, who's on the um, Ridge Management Board or was for a time and has sort of encyclopedic knowledge of, of the recent history of the Ridge. And he was a huge part of that history also. And that, that um, especially when I was working for the NGO, I was kind of getting that sense. And then when I realized there was this much bigger story that goes back, I mean, goes back 1.5 billion years to the, you know, Aravali's coming out of the earth, I mean, to 100,000 years ago when Stone Age, uh, you know, people came to Delhi. So when I realized there was this vast sort of scope, the research sprawled into different directions. And really, like, there were three main paths I was taking. One was the Delhi State Archives, uh, especially right. for the British time period. The second was, I mean, just going, I mean, like this, this, like the beginning of this chapter, just, just kind of wandering. I didn't, I mean, I didn't have much agenda with that. And I was, I mean, both lucky and unlucky that at some point I wasn't getting paid for this anymore. So I, you know, I was doing, I was doing other work. I had writing work, editing work that I was doing. So it was when I had the time I could go explore. Um, and that meant that there was no strict timeline, again, has pluses and minuses, uh, but it meant I really could explore and go to different areas. Eventually I got a motorcycle so I could go, you know, to parts of Gurgaon that, that are extensions of the ridge and, and to go to the Asola Bhakti and stuff like that. So those sort of in-person visits, just to give me the flavor and just the, you know, it really is far flung from, you know, the Northern Delhi to Southern Delhi, you have all these points. And then beyond that, just the, the again, just the so many books and articles on Delhi. And it really felt like a treasure hunt because 
I mean, there, there's a handful of people who are writing specifically about the ridge. I mean, Amitav Avaskar being one, a few articles about its history. For the most part, it's like, you know, I was you know, reading these histories of Delhi and like a detective and like kind of sleuthing and like, okay, this, this mentions the ridge, piecing it together. <laughs> so that sort of went on from 2011 to 2015, 2016, having other work, but whenever I could going out, there was a period of time, which was, I, I look back on now as sort of the, the, the golden days of my research where I lived in Meroli, so I could walk through Sanjevan, this, this park I mentioned in the reading, yes. and then pop, yes. pop out at Kutub Institutional Area, which is where the Delhi State Archives, archives are. Um, so I had this sort of glorious routine where I'd get up in the morning and walk through the forest, and there's a lot of um, sadhus who live in this forest who come into the fifth chapter of the book, and they were sort of always there just kind of smoking pot and tending to their fires. And so I eventually sort of befriended them. So I'd hang out with them if they were around, go to the archives. So I'd sort of see the sadhus twice a day, see Sanjeevan twice a day, spend the day at the archives. And then the bulk of the writing happened at Teen Murti Library, which Delhi listeners will know is a, a wonderful place to, to sit yes, and reflect. Indeed. and many wonderful books have been made there yeah yeah <laughs> yeah we're gonna be out of time really soon but can't let you go without asking you about the illustrations that um dipani made for this book they are exquisite of course they're on the one of them is on the cover there throughout the book as well tell us a little bit about how this happened i'm really happy you asked that because i think this is one of the really, uh, I mean, kind of unique characteristics of the book to have just such beautiful images and in and, different styles that she's done. And, you know, some of them are just to kind of make the text clearer. There's, you know, geological processes or complicated government hierarchies that they illustrate maps also, but some of them are just in themselves, just, you know, these beautiful works of art and of different styles, collage and, and um, yeah, so really worth checking out the pictures. But yeah, Deepani and I started collaborating when I was doing a, a residency at the center, at CSDS, Center for Study of Developing Societies. So they had this city as studio program, which invited artists and um, also you know, ac academicians, practitioners to come together and think about the city sort of as a canvas for art. And at that time, I was in the beginning of my Ridge research and I basically organized a game in, uh, in the Ridge that was trying to recreate, that was trying to recreate the, this, this case of these malls being built on the Ridge. So it was this almost like live action role-playing game where people competed against each other as real estate brokers. Um, so, so anyway, so that was a lot of fun, but Deepani helped me with the design of that. Um, so, you know, we were making sort of paper money, sort of cartoon monopoly money um, and maps for the game. Um, and that, I mean, that was just a blast and a different way to engage with the Ridge. So after that, we, Deepani and I started working together on some illustrated articles, one of which was about the Ridge and appeared in the Sarai Reader. Um, right. And... And so, yeah, from that, the sort of collaboration was born. And she was, you know, she was also there for some, some of the research, especially in Meheroli. Um, like, you know, she would come along with me and, and um, help out with that. And then um, basically, once I was already into the writing process, I was extremely fortunate to 
um, get a, a residency um, at, at um, this academy in Germany. Um, it's the Academy Schloss Solitude in, in right. Stuttgart. Yes, yes. Basically, I have, I have other authors uh, who have benefited from that residency as well. It's, it's yeah. really an excellent one. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just a wonderful space and really very few requirements or kind of constraints on you. And also, you have a budget beyond, beyond you know, the residency to give you a budget. So I was able to invite Deepani there. And that's yeah. where a lot of the sort of collages started coming into shape. And also because they just had such good equipment there in terms of, you know, photographing the collages and putting it together um, and having technical support there. So that was, I feel very lucky to have had, both to have had that for my own writing and also that's really, I think, where the images got their origin or got their birth. And then that was in, in 2016, 2017. And then it was just uh, writing and writing and revising and, you know, fine tuning the images and all of that. Right. I'm just wondering that, is there an exhibition you both plan at some point? Because of course we were able to, the images only in black and white. I think there's just a couple of them in color in the book, but I get the sense of a much larger corpus of images than what's there in the book. So perhaps an exhibition is in the offing course with the pandemic <laughs> making it virtually impossible virtually pun intended is the only possibility that's left yeah. I suppose actually to see these things but have you thought of that ever yeah yeah we have thought of that because I think we realized pretty quickly that it was very unlikely we would find a publisher who would say sure let's do all of the images in full color I mean it's just yeah. not sort of economically yeah. feasible I mean, the book yeah. would also then be too expensive. Anyway, so we kind of realized that, um, but we, right. but all of the all of the images are in color, the originals, and there are more right. of them. So yeah, it would be, yeah. I think before the pandemic, we were seriously considering it, and now, um, you know, we have them, and, and we're thinking, you know, how can we do this? Whether it's whether it's virtual, or or whether there's a time in the future where there can be in-person exhibitions again. Definitely worth thinking about because there are such ex exquisite visuals and with your text sort of acting as a thread, I think this could be a fantastic exhibit, really. I'll have to end there, Thomas, although frankly, I could talk about the ridge for hours and listen to Me you too. for hours talking about the ridge, but we are time bound, so we must stop here, although I'm hoping actually I'm quite confident that you've get, given a lovely taste to our listeners of this book, I just want to repeat that it's called Fractured Forest, Quartzite City, A History of Delhi and Its Ridge. It's by Thomas Crowley. It's on our Sage Yoda joint imprint and it is now available on all, across all platforms. And Thomas used the word treasure hunt and I really think that uh, would very aptly describe your experience when I talk to the listeners of reading this book and just to seal the deal, as they say, Amita Bhaviskar, the eminent sociologist, has this to say about the book. This lucid, well-researched account reaches back into ancient history, encompasses recent political and economic events, and makes a passionate plea for protecting the ridge as a forested commons open to all city dwellers. So what's not to love? Thank you so much, Thomas, for joining us today. Yeah, I, I hope the book does really well for both you and for me. <laughs> and, and thank you again for writing it.
Well, thank you so much for having me and thank you so much for publishing it.